Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking with Mackenzie Douglas and Dr. Sarah Bald, and we are doing our series called The Parenting Pulse. So welcome, Dr. Sarah Bald and Mackenzie Douglas. Thank Thanks. you. So um, today, I think we had, um, we thought we would talk about back to school. And, and I'd like to spend the first half of our um, Parenting Pulse series talking about how parents can help their special needs children acclimate to school. And by special needs, I, I want to talk about kids who maybe have asynchronous development, maybe they're gifted Maybe they have anxiety or ADHD. So, um, Mackenzie, that's an area that you um, actually know quite a bit about also because you worked at Fusion Academy. Would you like to start and maybe give some tips on what parents can do to help uh, get their kiddos ready? Sure, absolutely. Well, I know a lot of schools here in Arizona have been back for about a week or two. Um, so for those who are approaching going back to school here in September, I think really starting with the schedule, getting back into that routine of waking up at you know 7 a.m, having breakfast, brushing their teeth, getting ready, and you know having that routine um, getting set in place is super helpful. Um, especially for students who um, maybe have anxiety, um, you know, kind of get anxious about going to school and going back to school, getting them kind of in that routine so they're used to that come start of school is very helpful. Um, it When I used to work at Fusion, it was always very helpful to have kids in, in a schedule, um, you know, something easy to follow. So even if you have a kid who, who's really anxious about going back and, you know, maybe they're going into high school or um, going into middle school and not used to the school or the teachers or, you know, their new, um, you know, area they're going to be in Um, printing out their schedule, getting them familiar with what classes are going to be coming up, what time they're going to be at, you know, getting any school supplies, um, books in order, you know, maybe having them just get their binder and their backpack organized so that they're feeling very equipped come day one of school. Um, you know, getting in a lot of playtime with their friends or, you know, getting socialization done. So they're feeling like they're not, you know, that summer's coming to an end, um, but still have enough time to, you know, go to that last, you know, event that they've been wanting to do or pool party to celebrate the end of summer something to kind of close this chapter and going into the next um, school year can also help kind of celebrate um, and make it a fun entrance into the new grade that they're going into this fall. Absolutely. How about you, Sarah? What do you think? What do you recommend? I'm a really big fan of starting the routine and keeping the routine early, just like Mackenzie said, having set guidelines of this is when we wake up, this is when we do schoolwork. This is when we do homework. Um, and this is what bedtime is. Getting into that routine before the school year can really help that first day of school with the anxiety, with the 
frustration with the not wanting to go to school, if we're already in a routine, it makes it a lot easier to make that transition. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with both of you. And I, I also recommend that parents practice um, getting ready for school, like at least a few days before school, like doing a dry run, you know, mm-hmm. getting up, maybe getting dressed, having breakfast, and maybe even driving to the school once to make sure they've got the whole routine down so that it's not a surprise, especially for kids who have anxiety. I mean, that's a very stressful time. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of dry runs, especially for my, my little guys. So preschool and kindergarten used to be, we're going to learn how to be in a classroom. We're going to learn how to sit down. We're going to learn how to interact with one each other, how to, how to problem solve. And it's not that anymore. Kindergarten is now we're going to know X many CBC words, sight words by winter break. And that's our goal. So doing these dry runs, teaching kids how to be good stewards in the classroom is really important for our little, little guys because they're missing that instruction to some degree. Now, teachers still are teaching it and it's still part of the curriculum, but I think running through what makes us a good student, what makes us a good classmate is very important for the little guys when we're talking about the start of the school year, especially those who might have started school in the middle of the pandemic and have been online for learning. So they really haven't had that classroom experience yet. So setting the expectation early is important. What do you think about all, a lot of kids have been out of school for so long that um, what I'm seeing is a lot of anxiety about the social aspect of back to school. Are you Mm -hmm. seeing that as well? Yeah, a ton of anxiety. And I, you know, I have some kids who are choosing to to stay online for learning this year. I have some kids who are just antsy to get back and who are ready to get back. Um, I get a wide, wide spectrum of what kids' expectations are for this upcoming school year and what, what they're nervous about. But the social component definitely is important, you know, because we've got kids who, oh, I've got these three friends in my class, but they've never met those three friends in person. They've never been there with them and really interacted with them on that interpersonal level. It's more on this computer. I see your your screen, but I've never met you in person. So I think it's going to shock a lot of kids. So preparing them for those first meetings of like, hey, you really like Timmy in your class, but we haven't met Timmy yet. So let's talk about what that first interaction looks like when we're together. Some kids are naturally good at it and they're just going to fall right in and be great. Other kids are going to need a little bit more practice. Absolutely. So Mackenzie, when you worked at Fusion, did you see a lot of difficulty with uh, transitions from maybe summer break to fall break or to going back to school? Um, you know, with Fusion being a small school uh, and our teachers and our admin staff really doing a lot of um, activities for the students to get, a, to, get to know each other, um, get to know their teachers, I think that there was a lot of, um, you know, they avoided a lot of those situations with students having heightened anxiety. Um, with Fusion being a one-to-one school, there wasn't a classroom of students for them to have to get to know or, you know, speak up in front of, um, you know, or be called on, which I know those things can cause a lot of anxiety. So uh, Fusion is a little different in that regard. Um, but of course, students still have anxiety and they're going to still worry, especially with Fusion being new to Scottsdale. A lot of the students were coming from, you know, larger schools and integrating into something that was completely foreign to them. Um, and, but I think it, it, um, what really helped was 
during lunch hours or during their homework cafe at Fusion, uh, the teachers would always put a game together or put on a movie, do something that was bringing the group together and really involving one another so that they're getting to know each other. They're on a first name basis. You know, they're really building that rapport together so that they feel like they are part of something and not just going to school, getting their work done and leaving, Um, having that sense of camaraderie um, and a place of belonging certainly helps, um, you know, with that integration into a new school or the new school year. Yeah. Um, Sarah, do you see a lot of uh, teachers in like public schools or other types of schools setting up this sense of community like uh, they do at Fusion? Very teacher-based. It's very school-based. It's very environment-based. Um, even when I, when I was in the schools, it, it depended on the classroom. I had some teachers who were really great at it, and it reflected in their students. The more time they spent on building that community, the less referrals to the front office that we got. Um, it really, te- there's so much pressure put on teachers and they are, they're superheroes and they are expected to carry the weight of everything for the school year. Um, it's really teacher-based on if they have the emotional capacity to put in the extra work to create that sense of community. But they're definitely out there. I've had some stellar teachers who have done fantastic with that building community, building up the classroom, building up, this is who we are, that sense of identity. Mm-hmm. What do you think parents can do to help their students acclimate if the teacher is not doing their job helping the students grow as a community, as, as, a, as a maybe unified group? What can parents do? I mean, if they're younger, I would definitely encourage play dates. You know, if you've got a kid and, you know, there's not, you know, not 30 kids in the class doing 30 different, you know, play dates, but maybe doing a group meetup on the weekend, um, you know, bringing them together when they can off campus. Um, you know, with my one year old, we do play dates all the time, just one on one or with a group. And it's so, helpful to have that socialization. And then the parents get to know each other so that if anything comes up, um, you know, there's questions about homework or, you know, maybe something that happened during school hours, you know, they're, they're also having that sense of community with other parents. Um, and, and really, you know, it takes a village. And I think that would greatly help, um, also just getting involved in the classroom. Like, you know, if they do chaperones, I don't know what it's going to look like with this year. I don't know if schools will allow chaperones in classes um, or volunteers, I should say, um, you know, just trying to be involved as much as you can in your, in your students' lives so you can see who they're hanging out with, um, you know, and, and have those conversations off hours too with your student and asking them about different students in their class and who, who they are, what their interests are, and really um, encouraging them to get to know other students that they may not, you know, have otherwise had a conversation with. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I know when my kids um, were little and clearly this is way before COVID ever even became a household word. um, I I did those things, you know, I I did the play dates. I had them invite one new student to the house for a play date every week. And I said, you know, meet one new person every week. And so that's how I got to know the students and the parents, because I also didn't invite the child over unless I got to know their parents. So it really helped us develop the sense of community. 
Um, but I not but you know Sarah's right. Not every teacher has that as a goal, or maybe they're not very good at it. So, absolutely. Any other tips that we can offer parents? I think just oh, no, Sarah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I was just going to say, the more homeschool communication, the better. Now, I'm not saying email your teacher every your child's teacher every day after school, um, but but checking in with them once a week, once every other week to say, hey, how's my child doing? Um, are they making any friends? Are you seeing them gravitate towards anyone? Is there anything? we should be working on at home? Is there anything you'd like to see differently? Is there anything we can do to support you as a teacher? Um, so that you're aware and, and you might find out that they have a really good friend at school that they just, they're done at the end of the day and they don't want to share with you what they did. Um, and it might be that they've got, they've made a really good connection at school. They just haven't shared it with you yet. Um, so it provides good insight instead of just predicting what's happening or trying to guess what's happening, checking in with the teacher and saying, Hey, you are, you're, you're my eyes and ears in the classroom. What, what can we do to continue to support a, you as a teacher and, and be our child? Yeah. Thank you. Um, is there anything special that we can do for kids who maybe have anxiety or ADHD or, uh, you know, maybe even autism? Is there anything that we can do that's different than what we would do for other kids? I mean, I would hope those kids would be identified by the school. If they're not, getting them identified is going to be helpful. And working into either a 504 plan or an IEP safeguards. Yeah, if they don't already have one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and definitely initi- initiating that, at least having the conversation with the school, with the teachers of, hey, we've noticed these concerns, or hey, this has sprung up for us, especially anxiety has sprung up throughout the course of the pandemic. So, you know, we've been really nervous or child's really nervous. These are the things we're seeing just to give the teacher a heads up so they can keep an eye on it. So they can keep monitoring it and make sure that nothing's being missed in the classroom. Because anxiety can cause a child to clam up and be shy and not and not share and not engage in the classroom. Um, and you don't want those kids to be missed. Absolutely. So there's a lot of things that parents can do to help their parent to help their student feel or their child feel more at ease while they're at school. And, and I know that most teachers are really good at communicating with parents. Most teachers send, you know, weekly reports home or if something did happen, you, you know, you're more likely to get an email or a note in your child's notebook or bag or some, somehow they're going to communicate with you. Or maybe you'll get a nice phone call from the principal, you know, <laughs> but, um, with COVID, teachers have been overwhelmed and they've been bombarded. What can parents realistically expect from teachers? I think it's key to remember that teachers are humans. I think we we look at certain professions and teachers are one of them. And we expect teachers to be put together and perfect and polished from day one from the start. But the reality is this school year is going to be so much different even than the last few school years because now, at least in Arizona, we are mandated to be open for school. So we're going to have a lot of kids in and out. We're going to have quarantines left and right where, you know, one kid in the class, a parent has it. So now that kid and all the kids around him have to be quarantined for weeks. 
So there's going to be a ton of moving pieces. Teachers are still going to have to balance online versus in-person learning. So giving teachers a little bit of grace and remembering that they're human, that they only have so much and they're trying to navigate this new normal just like the rest of us. And even though we've had some practice with the pandemic, we've had practice for online learning. We're, this is going to be a different school year. It's going to be a totally new new school year for everybody. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's going to be a whole new experience. And it's not going to be anything like the last two years. And, and that, I think, is a very true statement. It's going to be a whole new year. <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie, do you have anything to, to add to that? Um. I was just going to say, kind of going back to the tips for the parents and the teachers, one thing that Fusion did that I absolutely loved is for every student, they set a social, emotional, and an academic goal. And that was for every semester. Um, And they would reevaluate those goals at the end of each semester or quarter, depending on um, the school or however you want to set it out for your child. And I think it's really a wonderful opportunity for the kid to have say on what those goals are. Um, You know, they can come up with them collectively or if the family wants the kid to come up with them on their own. So they have ownership and accountability over their goals Um, And share that with the teacher as well. So the teacher can also support um, and see how they are working with those goals on campus. Uh, And I really think the evaluation piece at the end of that semester is key. So that child has opportunity to reflect on the goals where they met. If they weren't met, um, you know, maybe where we can grow and expand uh, the next semester to achieve those goals or maybe they just don't resonate with the student anymore. And so they're going to reassess and create new goals for the next term. Um, This allows students to work towards something, um, have ownership over something, um, and they're accountable for their actions. And it helps them kind of gauge along the way, you know, am I striving to meet my goal? Um, And hopefully they ask for support during um, that term as well. So if they're not meeting their goal or, you know, they're getting close to meeting that goal, um, you know, they can share with their teacher, with their parents, and then, um, you know, celebrate those goals, even if they're not met, Um, you know, reevaluating and reassessing those, those goals are so important, but also acknowledging them. And, you know, when they get checked off the list, you know, celebrating that if they need to move on to the next term, There's no shame in that. Um, You know, maybe reprioritizing is what needs to happen. Um, So I really appreciated that Fusion does that with their students. And I think that really would lean on not not just students with um, learning challenges, but any student, really. I think that um, was a great um, asset that they had a part of their curriculum. And I love that we're seeing a bigger push for that in our schools. So, like, Scottsdale, I know, has incorporated something like that. PV has as well. So wonderful. It's been great. I had a kid um, in therapy. uh, It was at the end of last school year. And I found out they had been doing mindfulness activities at the beginning of every class. So, they'd been learning how to belly breathe. And they'd be learning all these great cool-down strategies. And then I had a parent just recently send me from Chandler this inventory for their child's little self-assessment. They were supposed to rate like how they are and they got a fun little animal at the end of it. 
But it's, it's asking questions like, do I thrive on pressure? Do I thrive on fun? Do I thrive on togetherness with other people? Or do I thrive on the accuracy of the information? Am I a fast talker, a very fast talker, a slower talker, a moderate talker? And it's just little check-ins. So that kids start Love to that. develop insight of this is who I am. And this is, this is what makes me tick. So that they can understand, oh, I'm like this. So how do I approach someone who's not like me? So I love this Absolutely. special we're getting. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, okay. So I, I love that uh, the public schools are jumping on this as well and really incorporating all this wonderful stuff. Uh, this is this is really awesome. Um, do you have any suggestions or tips for homeschoolers? We haven't really talked about that particular group. I love my homeschool any, community. They I know. They have they are they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, and the nice thing about homeschooling is you have the freedom and flexibility to really meet your child where they're at. Now, if you're homeschooling 10 children, it's a little bit more tricky. (laughs) (laughs) One to four kids and you're homeschooling them, you're able to take a very individualized approach. So being mindful of, Ooh, you really clicked with that. How do I incorporate, maybe we don't like math, but we like science. How do I incorporate science into math to engage you more? So taking that more individualized approach is really awesome with homeschooling. And you have the homeschooling funds. So you can use your resources to do farm camp or to do horseback lessons or whatever it might be that the child's engaged in and then incorporating the academics into that piece. I love it. Um, So we have a couple minutes before we go to break. Um, uh, I just would like you uh, to give your information. If anyone would like to get in touch with Dr. Sarah Bald, Um, Sarah, would you please give your information? Absolutely. So my practice is called Nest Psychological. Uh, I, you can either contact me on the website. I've got an email form. It's nestpsychaz.com. Or you can reach me by phone, 602-284-4555. I am more than happy to answer questions at any time, consults, talk about things you're seeing, concerns you have um, at any time. All right. Thank you so much. Mackenzie, do you want to give your information out or are you good? Sure. I mean, if you need somebody to lean on, I am your girl, Uh, but definitely reach out to Fazia and Sarah for more direct things. But my email address is K-E-N-Z-I-E-L-Y-N-N-E-9 at gmail.com. That's KenzieLynn9 at gmail.com. And I'm happy to support in any way that I can. Well, you women are absolutely amazing. And I appreciate you both being on the show. Um, Mackenzie will be leaving us at the half hour mark, but uh, Dr. Sarah Bald and I will continue after this break. If you are interested in getting in touch with me, my website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And I am going to be starting a executive function magazine. It will be launching January of 2022. If you'd like to be on that mailing list and receive your free quarterly copy, please go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com and register and make sure that you validate your email once you receive that information. We'll be back after these messages. Thank you.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fozzie Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi and I am your host. Um, today, well, this second half of the show, actually, we are talking with Dr. Sarah Bald, and we're going to talk a little bit um, about the back-to-school experience from the perspective of what you can do at home to help your child acclimate to school and what you can do to support them so that they are the most successful versions of themselves. Um, So Dr. Bald, what do you think? What's a good place for parents to start? I think the best place to start is to have a check-in time to say, hey, school's about to start or school did just start um, or three weeks ago, depending on what district you're in here in Arizona. (laughs) Um, how are things going? How are you feeling? Are you excited for this coming school year? Are you nervous for this coming school year? And spend some time validating those feelings. Oh, yeah, it's pretty nervous when you, it's the first time you're going back to school in a year and a half, or this is the first time you've met this teacher, or you know you're not going to have your best friend in your class this year. That's really difficult. And you seem ex emotion about that. Yeah. It's so hard for kids. I I have a a little boy that I work with and he is starting second grade this year. And we had a session right before he started school and he could barely sit still for the session. And I asked him, I said, I said, buddy, what's going on? You, You and I usually have such a good time together. We play these games, we have fun. And he said, I'm so nervous. I, I've been to the school for two years, but I've never really made any friends. And, mm. and, you know, because of COVID, he, he really right. hasn't had an opportunity to make friends. Right. And so we talked about some ways that he could maybe introduce himself in the playground and maybe some ways he could offer, um, you know, information to other kids to help them maybe acclimate better. And, 
And the most interesting part was his mom did not realize how nervous he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important that parents talk to their kids, whether they think their kid's nervous or not, just to make yeah. sure, because he didn't talk to his mom. He, he, he came to me because I asked, had I not asked, he would probably have not said anything. Yeah. And it's important too of kids, the behavior problems for kids do that's not normal for, it's usually something else is going on. So when we see a shift in behavior or a shift in attitude, even if it's positive, something's going on. And it's always important to ask. I think we're afraid as parents, as human beings to ask certain questions, even like, even in the mental health profession, we're trained, like you have to ask very difficult questions, especially when it comes to things like self-harm, because people are really open to talking about it, but only if they're asked, they're not going to volunteer that on their own. Um, It's the same with kids and kids might not have the insight yet, but if you're seeing that behavioral change, if you're seeing different shifts in behavior regulation, emotional regulation and mood, even if it's positive, checking in and seeing, Hey, what's going on? What's happening here? I had had a similar situation this week. I had a kid who um, is usually very receptive. He's, he's has some issues, but we always have a good time and a good conversation. And he always wants to play and engage with me. And he's like throwing the elephant in my face. My big stuffed elephant in my room. I should clarify. <laughs> he's throwing my stuffed elephant in my face. And he's being silly. And he's up and he's down. And he's all around. And he's not really receptive to anything I'm saying. And he, he's kind of being a little mean. And I'm like, buddy, what's happening? Like, this is not you. Tell me what's happening. Turns out he had gotten in trouble at school earlier that day. Uh-huh. Hadn't told dad. Hadn't told anybody. Um but it's like, this is, this is atypical for you. So I know something happened. And if I ask the right question or if I phrase a statement correctly, because I'm, I'm big on statements with kids, if something seems different or you look like you feel X, um, just asking that right or having that right prompt can get a kid to open up. Yeah. Yeah. If they're not, they're, they're going to say, no, I'm not feeling that way. Yeah. Or if they are, they'll admit it. And then you might be able to get uh, the next to take it to the next step and ask the right question to get more information. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that is a really important um, tip because, you know, a lot of times even parents don't know how to ask the right question, Mm -hmm. you know, and and sometimes if there's any kind of tension between that parent and that, uh, that child, if they have a history of, you know, conflict or, or tension in the relationship, that parent's not going to get a whole lot out of that kid. No, no. And what's difficult too, is we, especially for like, I think of my gifted kids or my teenagers, we talk to them like little adults. And so you and I, when we talk, it's like, oh, this terrible thing's going on. And the other one of us will chime in of like, oh, I remember when I went through that and we share our experience so that we can demonstrate we're showing empathy. Um, and that's just a, an adult way to interact with the world of, right. Oh yeah. That sucks. When that happens, I, I once did X, Y, and Z and I felt terrible. Kids on the other hand, view that as, I don't want to say belittling, but it's invalidating. So whereas we as adults feel very validated when it's like, Oh, I messed up at work. And another coworker's like, Oh, I did that last week. Don't worry. Kids view it <laughs> as well, mom thinks I, you know, 
shouldn't act this way because she did it. And so I have no right to act. this. They take it on and take it more personal than we as, as adults do. We, we want that kids want someone to just listen to them. I agree. I, I think they really need somebody to listen and, and understand what they're going through without, you know, I, I don't need to make it about me is pretty much what they're thinking. You know, we, we need yeah. to talk about what my problem is. Don't tell me about yours yet. Cause I can't handle all this information coming in at me. Right. It, it's overload. Right. And I don't know how to use this information because what makes sense in our mind, and that's another difficulty. So what makes sense in our mind doesn't make sense in a kid's brain. So mountains very quickly become molehills with kids or molehills become mountains with kids. Exactly. Um, <laughs> very quickly <laughs> because they don't have the emotional capacity yet to manage a, the adult concepts that are happening in the world right now. I mean, we're seeing a lot of adult topics and, and talking about it. COVID is part of our daily language everything happening in the world, we tend to talk about in front of our kids and they just don't have the emotional capacity yet to, to manage that. So it's how are we meeting them where they are with the information we need to present to them to help them be successful or to help keep them safe or whatever it might be. You know, you brought up a really good topic. Um, all the things that are happening in the world right now, they're overwhelming. As an adult, for me, they're overwhelming. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine dealing with this if I was seven or eight or 12 or 15. Um, even, in, even in their early 20s, this is overwhelming. Yeah. What recommendation do you have for parents when they're trying to explain world events to their younger children or even their teenagers? Mm-hmm. I think keeping it, keeping it at their level, knowing where they're at. Um, in my practice, I get a lot of twice exceptional and gifted kids and they're very difficult to do this with, but I think every kid is, um, we're around our kids all day, every day. And so they know a lot and we want to tell them a lot and they can ask very grown up questions and it's easy to fall into that trap, especially when we're managing our own anxieties around stress about what's happening in the world. It's easy to fall into the trap and overshare information with them at an inappropriate level at more of an adult level because we ourselves are trying to manage it like I know every day I'm (laughs) I feel like I'm drowning as soon as I turn on the news or read a news article so I I just try to stay away from it for my own sanity Um, so for COVID you know it's clear that that, you know we had to talk to children about wearing masks and Mm -hmm. the social distancing thing and but um, the most recent thing that's been in the news, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because just for full disclosure, I don't have cable and I don't watch TV. So I actually do not watch the news, which is why I can be happy all day. <laughs> but, that's but how you I do get so much of, done. I learned your secret. Yes. But I, I do hear about world events through other people. And so I know that, um, you know, there's, there's all this stuff happening in Afghanistan right now, which is a country that I have a strong bond with. So I I hear quite a bit about it. Mm. And, um, you know, how do you explain that to children? That's a difficult one to explain. And And it really is what needs to be explained to kids. So I, I hate the term. Because they're going to hear about it. Yeah, they yeah are gonna they're going to hear about, about it. it. Um, but it's what's appropriate for where they are emotionally in the moment. So if you think about it, kids right now, we're on the tail end of a pandemic. 
they're maybe dealing with some sort of mental health concern at this time, whether it be anxiety, you know, some OCD like symptoms, some depression, some lack of social interaction. They're starting school. The beginning of the school year is always very stressful. So how emotionally, how full are they? Is there any room in their cup to talk about this right now? Or do we wait? Do we say, we're going to talk about that at a later time until you as the parent can formulate as we as, as the grownups in their world can formulate the, the perfect response. And do I have one for what's going on right now? No. Um, well, it, I don't think hurts. there's ever a perfect response. I, I, I think, you know, yeah. for me, I was thinking about this because, you know, students come to me and, and they ask me questions and sometimes they want to have conversations about what's going on in the world. And I have to tell them, honestly, I don't have TV. I don't have cable. I don't watch it, but I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in this situation, I mean, I, I think it's enough to say to kids that, you know, yes, we're having some challenges, but don't worry, your life is fine. Right. Like your little world is fine. Like these are things that are happening in the world, but yeah. my job is to keep you safe. And, you, you know, everything in your little world is, is working just as it should be. Is that an appropriate response for a parent? I think so. My big, my big thing with kids is what is in your control? So is what's happening in the world in your control? Is it in my control? Is it in your teacher's control? If we don't have control in this situation, if we try to take control, if we try to do so many things to make the world right, we're going to go crazy. So what at this point in time, what is in your control and what can you do about it? Is your reaction in your control? No, it's not. Reactions are chemical. Um, But your following response is in your control. How much you consume, how much you listen. If, you know, friend at school wants to talk about it and you're not at a place emotionally where you can handle it, it's in your total control to walk away from that situation or to say, hey, I don't want to talk about this or to change the topic. All of that is in your control. So in this moment, what do you have control over? Right. No. And, and I think it's fair that, you know, I, th- I think kids should be able to say to their friends, you know, this is not something that I feel comfortable talking about. I don't know enough about it, or it makes me anxious to talk about it, or, right. you know what? I just, I just can't have this conversation. I've got other things I have to do. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's important to be able to really voice their, uh, their opinions and advocate for themselves. So yeah. many kids that I see cannot advocate for themselves. So they get stuck so in the situation. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. get stuck in the situation and, and then later they feel trapped and they don't know how to, to not have that happen again. So it's really important to right. give them the right words so that they can voice themselves at a later date. Yeah. And to, to practice with them, to model what's appropriate with them and to reward them when you see them do it. So, hey, I saw you walk away from that situation. That must have been insanely difficult for you to do. I'm really proud of you, and you should be really proud of you for standing up for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. World events are always hard. I mean, I was a millennial, so I was a kid when 9-11 happened, and it's true. There's some things that are not escapable. So it, it becomes, how do you advocate for yourself? How do you focus on what's in your control? How do you, how do you get through to tomorrow? But what is your hope? What are your plans for the future? How does this shape who you are? 
And what are you going to do with this information to make life better for you or for other people? I think that's the most important thing is what are you going to do with this information? If you can't do anything with it, and you're completely out of your control and it's not relevant to your life. Does it really impact your everyday life? You know, mm-hmm. do you really need it? Do you really need it? I think that's important, you know, yeah. to make that decision. And I think parents have an obligation to help their children determine that priority. What's important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having that conversation as a household of here's our values, here's what we believe. You know, they have all the silly political signs on both sides of the aisle now of like, in this house, we believe. <laughs> but, but seriously, I mean, aside from the cute sign that you're hanging outside, um, what, what do we believe as a family? What do we stand for? What do we believe in? And how are we demonstrating those? I have conversations with half my clients of what are your priorities and what are your values? If what you're doing is matching your value system, you're going to feel a lot better than if you're having to do things that don't match your value system. So here's what I value in life. Here's what my priorities are. And what can I do to weave even things I don't like to do, like school? How do I weave that into my value? Like we had a lot of kids who want to be YouTubers, who want to go viral, Mm -hmm. who want to be TikTokers, influencers. Um, Yes, it's a very common path right now. Very common path right now is to be a social media influencer. Um, COVID didn't help that because TikTok blew up and now lots of people are making money on TikTok. But we've got a lot of kids well, make you money know on TikTok. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> um, but how do we incorporate so you don't like school or you don't right. you don't like this teacher or you don't like this class? How do we incorporate that into your your goal? Your value is to make a bunch of money being a social influencer. Great. We'll talk about that value later. But how do we incorporate school into that value. This is, you place a lot of emphasis on this. So we're going to pull whatever we can and put it into that. And sometimes there's like, there's certain things that you have to do that you may not want to do that are part of the bigger goal that you want. For example, you may not, you might want a college degree, but you may not like all the classes. Like you may not enjoy For example, if you want a communications degree, you may not enjoy the math classes that go along with that degree, but you still have to take the math classes to finish the degree because it's part of a package deal. Yeah. If you don't want to take the math classes, you don't get the degree. So you have to make a decision. And you balance uh, (laughs) yoga one with calculus two. And you're like, yeah, this is my, this is my semester. My only hard class is I'm going to reward myself with a yoga class and then a history music class. (laughs) (laughs) At least you can meet your goals and you get through the difficult chapter of, of whatever it is you're working on. Yeah. And, And I think that's, that's an important thing is like sometimes we just have to look at what is our bigger, our bigger picture and what do we really have to do to get to that goal? The goal is the ultimate reward, but sometimes you have to do things you, you may not want to, you may not want to do even in yoga. Sometimes you have to go through the pain to get to that stretch that you really need to get to. (laughs) Right. You may not want the pain, but it's there. And and if you know that you want that flexibility, you have to keep stretching. Yeah. And that's another good goal for parents for this upcoming school year is what are, what's our long-term goal? Our long-term goal is to survive this school year, 
But what short-term goals, what easy-to-achieve goals are we going to set along the way to help get us there? So we might want things to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows. But in order to get to sunshine and rainbows, we have to get through a day or a week, maybe a week with only four days where we have difficulty getting out of the car and going into school. Right. Very small, achievable goals and touting that success as soon as it happens. I agree with you. I, I really do. I, I, I think this has been a really fun conversation. Um, we have about, um, we have a few minutes left before the break. And what I would actually like to talk about is the magazine that's going to be launching yeah. in um, in January. I'm really excited that you're going to be writing an article for the magazine. Yep. And we have some really awesome uh, people that are going to be writing articles for the magazine as well. So it's going to be a phenomenal magazine. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So if any of the listeners are, in, are listening right now and are interested in getting the copy of this magazine, feel free to go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com and register for a free quarterly copy. Um, there's a little pop-up that comes up on my website. Feel free to uh, go in there, put in your website or put in your email and then make sure you check your email and validate that so that you can um, get that quarterly free magazine in your email. And I'm really excited. Dr. Sarah Bald's going to write about, I think, ADHD, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. We we tossed a few ideas around. Maybe some ADHD, maybe some how to advocate for your child in the school, maybe some other executive function tips. And and maybe at some point, all of those will be written um, because this will be a quarterly magazine. And yeah. I'm hoping that you'll be writing more than just one article for, I mean, for the if magazine. If you'll have me after the first, we'll see how the first one goes. You might decide. <laughs> I, I don't think I could say no to you. You're awesome. <laughs> you're just awesome. No, I of course, you're always welcome. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think um, I, I think this has been an awesome experience. If you have any questions for Mackenzie Douglas or for Dr. Sarah Bald uh, for the Parenting Pulse, feel free to go to my website and give me that. Uh, the, give me those questions via email. Once again, the website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And we will definitely answer your questions um, either personally or um, during our next um uh, Parenting Pulse uh, series, which will be um, in a month. So um, we have about five minutes left. Is there anything, Is are there any last minute tips, tips that you would like to offer parents or even kids at this point? Yeah, I think last minute tips, especially because our focus is on the school and I love the conversation I just had. Um, I, we could go, you and I could go on and on forever <laughs> in that area. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. But I think as far as listening to you talk, I was thinking, do we have the same job? Because I know we don't. (laughs) We don't, we don't, but we're we're very complimentary in what we do. And and that's why we make a good team because we, we get it. We approach it from very different views and angles, not very different views, but different angles. Um, Definitely different angles. Yes. (laughs) Um, But that it's, it's all about the multidisciplinary team with kids. And so that's one of my tips for parents is how do you create a multidisciplinary team even for your typically performing child? So whether or not your child has services, resources, an IEP, a 504 plan, how do you create a multidisciplinary team within your school to help your child? 
How do you get other parents involved, spouses involved, teachers involved, school counselors, whoever it might be? What team members are going to be beneficial for you? Maybe your child has a teacher they love, and that's a check-in, check-out teacher. Or you touch base with that teacher and say, hey, my child's really connecting with you. I want to appreciate everything you do. I, you know, I do appreciate everything you do. And I want to help foster whatever mentorship role we can do, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we talked about, the dry runs with the practicing, with the setting the schedule, all of that is incredibly important. Validating feelings, validating realities, um, and just getting ready to roll with the punches of the school year. The school year has a lot of unknowns to it, and we were all hoping by this school year that we'd be back to normal. Um, but this new normal is chaotic, and it's going to be it's going to be a messy, wild ride. So rolling with the punches, being prepared Absolutely. for whatever comes across your your door, and asking yourself what is in my control in this situation. Absolutely. And I think my biggest thing is just practice patience. Mm -hmm. If we can do better, we would. And that's really the easiest thing. It's like, just be patient. Mm -hmm. If if somebody's behaving in a way that they normally don't, ask them what's going on, talk to them, ask the right questions, Mm -hmm. and just be patient. Be patient with yourself, be patient with the kids, and, and really ask questions, ask for help, and allow your kids to advocate for themselves when something isn't going right. Mm-hmm. And I think being patient with yourself, what you just said, is so important. It's so easy to overbook, to overstress, to try to get everything done, to try to be the perfect parent. That doesn't exist. So being patient with yourself, giving yourself a bit of grace, saying, you know, did I try my best today? Did I give it all of my effort? I did. did the, is the outcome what I wanted? No. But I worked my butt off. The effort is so much more important than the outcome. So if you, my parents who come to me and say they feel like they're failing are usually my parents who know what's going on the most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get so many apologies. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're questioning if you're failing, you're a great parent. <laughs> I'm more worried when you're not questioning when you're failing. Um, but giving yourself patience that it's frustrating being a parent. It's frustrating being in the world we're in today. It's frustrating having to balance being a teacher, being a parent, being a friend, being a spouse, all at the same time. Um, what Agreed. Absolutely. Did you do your best? Yeah. Did you try? Because that's what we care Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Would you like to give your contact information one last time? We are going to be off the air in just about 30 seconds here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my website, nest, N-E-S-T, psychaz.com. You can reach me my email on there. Um, otherwise, this phone number is 602-284-4555. I'm more than happy to answer questions, concerns at any time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Dr. Sarah Bald and Uh, Once again, if you would like to get in touch with us and leave us questions for uh, future Parenting Pulse um, sessions, feel free to call me at 480-648-1122 or go to my website and leave me an email at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a great week.